You're listening to All the King's Men, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the King's Men. First road trip of the season is over, and it wasn't great. James Whitlock joins me this episode for another weekly update, but fair warning, Kings fans, this episode is not heavy on optimism or silver linings. This is the second episode available today. If you're at all curious about the rain or any of the young players out in Ontario, we recorded a podcast there this weekend. I'd encourage you to go check it out. We released it earlier this morning. You can find it and plenty of other recent episodes at lakings.com slash podcast. And if you want to make sure you never miss an episode, please feel free to subscribe. Subscription links, as we said, are at lakings.com slash podcast. I'm here now with James Whitlock following the Kings lost to the Toronto Maple Leafs. James, how are you doing tonight? Um, Somebody call the ambulance because I'm not doing well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, I'm going to dabble. Well, no, I guess I'll save the positivity for later. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have, have positivity. Yeah, well, a little the bit. The roles have reversed. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, look, there's not a ton to say about uh, the loss to the Leafs or the loss to the Senators. You know, we had we had said you want to get four points out of this road trip. They wind up getting two, arguably the easiest two against Montreal. Um, I mean, what of all the things that we could complain about, James? What what stands out first in your mind? Just for the Toronto game, let's not even talk about any of the other games. Just for the Leafs, I think it just looked like a mess. Uh, it was uh, a lack lack of focus on the ice. It, the team almost looked frantic. Yeah. Um, a lot of loose pucks, you know, just people fumbling pucks, especially in front of the net. So this game could have actually been a lot worse. Yeah. Um, I think lack of focus is sort of, a, well, I don't know if focus is the precise word I'd use. But, yeah, I mean, look, they give up a goal in the first minute of the first period. They give up a goal in the last minute of the first period. That's the game right there. Uh, the only goal they generate is on sort of a broken play. You know, if you follow me on Twitter, you saw me take um, exception to the person who said Forbert had a nice pass. Forbert didn't have a nice pass. Uh, Toronto broke it up easily. It just happened that the guy bobbled it, and I follow had the presence of mind to pass it to Kovalchuk, who does what Kovalchuk does. He's just a pure sniper, obviously. Um, I don't think it's a great statement if your best player is a second-year collegiate undrafted prospect. I mean, he's not a prospect, but, it, you know, he's, he's 24. Um, and and I don't say that as a knock to Ayafalo, right? I've spent a year and a few months singing the praises of Ayafalo. I love the kid. Um, I think he's been everything advertised and more. I didn't care that he only scored nine goals last season. I'm perfectly happy with him on the top line because, as we saw tonight, I think he's the best player and I think that's a condemnation of the other 20 guys on the roster. Right. Absolutely. So, I mean, the fact that they outshoot Toronto, you know, it, it is, a, it does count in the positive side of the ledger, and we can get to that later. But this is. And I. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. And I don't even, I don't even think you count that because, um, I mean, Toronto at some point was, uh, you know, it was like Kings 12 to 1 on shots. 
against Toronto in the third. But really, I mean, Toronto's got two goals up. They're not pushing to, uh, like, it's not their main priority. They're just putting the Kings up against boards yeah. and not giving them any good shot opportunities. So, um, to to Toronto, I don't, uh, to their favor, I don't think that that could have been their main focus, and I think they did what they needed to do, and that's just completely shut down their opponent. So. No, and and that's why I hesitate to to list it as a positive because the first period was fought pretty evenly. Maybe the Kings start to take over a little bit at the end of the first, but as we mentioned, the two goals—one in the first minute, one in the last minute—it's two to nothing heading into the second period. The Kings put together ten minutes, maybe eight minutes of solid play. They scrape back a goal. It's two to one, and then as soon as Toronto puts forth even a little bit of effort, it's three to one, and then it's exactly as you say. Now they're up two, and despite the fact that the Kings, you know, take over shot-wise for the rest of the game, Toronto's, you know, got a two-goal lead against the team that's struggling to score and has always struggled to score. And, yeah, they don't have to put forth a ton of effort in generating offense. You know, they, they're a high-powered offense. They'll probably get power plays. They'll probably get scoring opportunities. So they're confident, and the Kings are just spending the last 30 minutes of the game desperately trying to get a goal. And of course they don't. Um, and like you said, power plays, uh, that's another bad point about this game is it's uh, it continues the drought. Well, let's talk about the power play because at least tonight they generated some shots on goal on the power play. You know, it wasn't, a, it didn't look great. It didn't succeed, but I felt like it was at least, slightly um improved from previous games but i i i don't understand <laughs> at one point i thought i saw uh anderson dolan quarterbacking the power play from the low from basically from the goal line <laughs> uh and i thought well that's not a great sign um if a rookie is quarterbacking your power play from that low uh i saw i saw i saw dowdy playing way out of position. Uh, I saw Dowdy trying to quarterback the power play. And look, I love Drew Dowdy. He's the greatest defenseman on the planet. He deserves a banner and a statue and all that. I don't think Drew Dowdy's a power play quarterback. A powder, I can't talk tonight. A power play quarterback. Um, you know, I have never particularly liked the setup that they've used in the past, which was Kopitar on the half boards sort of running things. But at least it was, mm -hmm. a, I mean, they, they clicked to 20% last season, so they weren't completely useless. Um, they seem to have gotten away from that and, and I just don't, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't have any answers, James, and it's frustrating. Well, and you're going to be nicer than most of, uh, most of the fans, including myself, because it took on, on most of the power plays tonight, it took over a minute just to get the first shot attempt. Yeah, there was and, one. Uh, yeah, there was that one in the second that took, yeah, a minute. It, it, it And the third, I mean, they almost all of them. It took, uh, it, I was looking at it, first shot comes at like uh, uh, a minute four into the power play. And 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 it just, and, and they get one shot attempt and then it's back out of the zone again. So it's like you can't even set up for a decent play. They're just passing around. It's just staying on the board. So can um, I, I want to jump I in mean, though real quick. There was that one power play, I think the one that you're talking about, where the first shot came at a minute four. Kopitar gained the zone early in that power play. And I grant you he was by himself, but he had a shooting lane. He had an opportunity. Now, it wasn't a high, you know, a high, a high chance opportunity, but I still, I screamed at the TV, just shoot it. 
And then he didn't shoot it. Yeah. He, he peeled back and he went for the pass and it was a turnover. And then that's when the puck got cleared all the way back into the King zone. And it took him another minute to gain the zone and set up. Um, and then later in the game, uh, Fox, Jim Fox said something like that was the first, when they finally got the shot, he said, that's their shoot first shooting opportunity. And I screamed at the TV again. No, it wasn't. Andre Kopitar had a shooting opportunity. He passed on it. Wasn't a great shooting opportunity. I grant you, but, <laughs> but come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, it just seemed like they were, uh, they were not in the right headspace. And, and like you said before, uh, you can't say enough about Dowdy, but this game, it, it it, every goal had him either on the ice or or without a stick and just not being as effective as he is and um and that's a, just another frustrating point uh, obviously for him mostly you saw him on the bench but uh fans as well it just it you it's not the team you're used to seeing or you expected to see at the beginning of the season well and that's why i i want to double down and triple down and quadruple down on your statement that the team lacked focus everybody said going into this game well, a bunch of the Kings are from Southern Ontario. A bunch of them grew up as Leafs fans. You know, we all know Drew Doughty, you know, bleeds for Toronto. He wears the Blue Jays hat everywhere. Um, and so the idea was maybe they'll get up for this game. I think I think Doughty got two up for this game. Um, that first mm-hmm. goal, like you said, he's missing his stick. He's sort of running all over the place. The second goal, uh, you know, I saw somebody say Fanuff played the wrong man. That may be, but Doughty comes flying in. To try and uh, and knock the puck loose on the on the puck carrier misses, <laughs> um, immediately turns around and sort of swings his stick wildly, and then rather than playing the the you know the the puck or the man, just sort of launches himself into the guy, um, and it and it winds up in a two on one. That was a, a short two on one because there's only the the distance between the face off dot and the goal. But Dowdy <laughs> takes himself completely out of the play three times in like two seconds. And it wasn't because he was yeah. being stupid or lazy. It was because he was just trying too hard. Um, yeah. And and that's a thing, right? Like, I don't think people get that if you if you don't play within yourself and if you don't, you know, play smart, if you just, you know, try and, and maximum effort every second you're on the ice, you're going to make mistakes. And a team like Toronto is just built to capitalize on mistakes in your zone. Like that's all they do. They don't, they don't play defense. They don't goaltend. They just score. Um, You know, we saw it tonight. They scored. So, you know, I, I, between, and we saw it at the end of last season, right? Dowdy getting a couple penalties because he was all fired up. And we've seen it a few times earlier this season where he gets, you know, he starts yelling at the ref or the other players. And you see the goals given up in the last minute of the period or the first minute of the period. And, you see the team repeating the same pattern as last season, giving up the first goal early in games. Um, it's all a pretty non-mysterious pattern <laughs> um, for those who pay attention. It's pretty, it's pretty clear, and and the team succeeds because they are talented, right? I see all these complaints about the roster not being good enough, or this or that, and the other thing. The roster's fine. They did what they did last season because they're talented. Um, right, but at some point, you know, will beats skill, and the other teams are talented too, right? A team like Toronto is also talented. Um, Absolutely. The if you want if you want to look at the silver lining, they've made teams look worse this season. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> I mean, that's, a pretty, that's what I got for you. Pretty slim silver lining. Um, I want <laughs> to get I, I want to get into some numbers. 
Um, you know, these have, I was looking at them earlier tonight and then they changed as I was looking at them later. So I don't know if they updated because the results of this game came in. But uh, as far as I can tell, they're presently 25th in the league in shots for a 27.2. Earlier when I was looking at it, they were almost dead last at like 23. So I don't know, maybe tonight because they took so many shots that bumped it up. But regardless, they're mm-hmm. just not shooting the puck enough. And I mean, yeah. I know it sounds so simple and it sounds so ridiculous when whenever the coaches or the commentators or media figures or fans say pucks in deep pucks on net pucks in deep pucks on net it sounds like oh it just cannot possibly be that simple you know it's obviously a complicated game but at some level no <laughs> shoot the puck. yeah 17 shots on goal in a game is not going to get it no no it's not and uh they're 17th uh in the league in shots against uh, at 32.8 I, I believe that number is correct and current i could be wrong but either way the sort of the gist i'm getting at and i and i harped on it earlier last season is you know we talk about identity and for a decade this team's identity was defense first offense second we're gonna rely on quick we're gonna rely on team defense we're gonna take our chances where we can get them and over the long haul the odds are going to be in our favor, even if it means losing some ugly games, even if it means winning some squeakers. And I get it, it's boring hockey, but it worked. Um, Just because the league has transitioned into an era where there's a bunch of teams like Toronto and Washington and Nashville and, and, and stuff like that, you know, I think Toronto's scoring almost eight goals a game. The Devils are at 4.6. The Blackhawks are up at 4.4. The Bruins are at 4.4. The Caps are at 4. Even the Senators are scoring four goals a game. Just because a lot of other teams move to that style of play, I don't think it means that the, that that's the only way to win. You know, everyone talks about, well, the league is different now. Well, I don't think the league is different now. I think certain teams have built their teams differently. Because the Maple Leafs are giving up 3.3 goals a game. The Blackhawks are giving up 4.2 goals a game. The Capitals are giving up 3.8 goals a game. I would rather have a team that gives up 1.2 goals a game and only scores 2.3. Like, call me crazy. I don't care. I don't think winning is boring. I think losing (laughs) 5-3 to every night is boring. Um, if If you're losing the same way over and over and over again. No, I'd agree. I, and, and and I think that's that's just simple math. The the least amount of goals you have to score to win is obviously going to give you a better opportunity down the road. Um uh, because exactly. the games that you do have these blowout games, um, and you're and you're just passing goals back and forth, you you're gonna have a better chance. You you know you know how to shut a team bet down better than the other. So that ship has sailed. Um as far as the you know, the identity. So the Kings have decided that they're gonna try and be the you know the last one to the the club of scoring more goals than the other team and not worrying about defense. Five on five, I think they're actually fairly decent at it, um, or at the very least they're sort of not terrible at it. It's really the special teams that is just murdering them right now, and that's right. that's the really sort of confusing thing. Last season the Kings had the number one penalty kill. Like, I'm not even going to touch the power play for now. <laughs> Last season, the Kings had the number one penalty kill at 85%. That's phenomenal, right? That's how you went into the Jennings Trophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the last, the worst penalty kill last season, James, was 73.2%. The Kings penalty kill is currently at 
<laughs> so that's that's almost worse than the power play in my mind. Um because that's your strength, right? That's what the Kings calling card was. And the Kings, you know, you can talk about that not having Brown out. You can talk about trying to work Kovalchuk into the lineup. You can talk about Wagner and Anderson Dolan and you know, Kempe and Amadio and Young Faces and all that into the forward core all you want. And I get Quick is out and Quick had a dynamite October last year and so that's responsible for at least some of the shifts. But Dowdy, Muzzin, Martinez, Forbert, they were all here last year. Fanuff came in at the end, you know, I grant you. But Fanberg was here. Curtis McDermott played a lot of those games last year. Curtis McDermott did not make the team this year. Um, and if you're going to tell me that Fanuff versus Foline is a significant uh, factor, uh, you know, I'm not sure I'm I'm there for that. So the penalty kill is not great. The power play, as previously mentioned, is miserable. And that could be a sh- that could be a two goal swing in any given game, right? You give up an extra penalty penalty kill goal and you fail to score a power play goal that's two goal swing that's going to cost you games so one tonight yeah well and and look at the winnipeg game right had they won the winnipeg game this i look at this trip completely differently they would have squeaked out a win against a really tough opponent but they didn't they lost two to one right um yeah and you know even if they had lost to ottawa but beaten um winnipeg it would have been fine but losing to Ottawa really is the loss that that turned this road trip sour um, as we switch from just focusing on Toronto to the the whole road trip. Um, they did beat Montreal, but to me that just shows that that they clearly have the talent to win on a night when the opponent either doesn't show up or isn't very good. Right. It's a flash in the pan that we we know it's there, and it makes it almost more frustrating. <laughs> exactly yeah no it does it's uh uh, i mean but it's it seems like the uh the team's first few weeks uh their momentum has regressed and the worst part about it is we know that the the skill is there the talent is there on the team uh and and part of my problem is it doesn't even speak to like you can't even pin it on the injuries right you know it, it it has nothing to do with that it's the players that should be producing that aren't producing. Um, when you're relying on your top line for half your goals, um, you know, <laughs> in your first six games, and the top player has, you know, they each have two, that's not going to cut it. And, you know, I want to focus on the Campbell quick thing as well, because, right, it's two games in a row now that they that they got blown out. Man, um, eh, maybe blown out's a little bit too strong. But they give up two losses to Ottawa and Toronto, despite outshooting both of them. And, you know, you're right, score effects will account for some of the outshooting in the later stages of the game. But even so, they were the Kings were competitive in the early stages of the game before the score got out of control. And so you look at Campbell and you say, is this, you know, if, if Jonathan Quick were in net, do we have two, I shouldn't say we, sorry, the Kings, do the Kings have two extra wins, you know, on this road trip? Or, no. or, well, that's, so, I mean, that's the thing I'm somewhat on the fence about. Um, I don't think, you know, I'm certainly not going to blame Campbell for these losses, you know, and you saw how he played in Montreal. He's perfectly fine. But it is one of those things where, you know, you need game breakers to win you games and to come through in, in certain moments. And 
the the game breakers the kings don't have any game breakers who are breaking games presently um whereas last october you could rely on quick to you know to to keep them in the games that they were maybe getting blown out of and then that would set up opportunities you know for like the tyler to foley overtime goal against boston right like well that only happens if quick keeps them in that game or you have um you know i think it was a columbus game later in the season uh where they came back and and scored some impressive goals and you know and, and to campbell's credit he kept them in the winnipeg game he shuts out montreal but you know we're not getting we didn't get any heroics from him not that that's his fault well the toronto game completely was not his fault as he's you know um there's just a complete defensive breakdown in front of him uh for most of the game like uh you know who's gonna call a a goal going off your hip as you're trying to get back uh, to try and guard the post and uh, and the other two are where people are just trying to sandwich somebody. And, and obviously, you know, you're going to leave a man behind you and he gets an open net. Uh, like those kind of things, you should expect your team to have your back. Uh, you know, even even the two-on-one where I, I felt like, you know what, you, you let him take the first player and you just completely take out the second man and, and re, remove the shot out of the equation. Um, and unfortunately, that, that uh, second man is the guy that scores. So... Um, those kind of things you got to rely more on your team and, and have them help you out. And I don't feel like tonight's uh, lost Toronto is is something that can be attributed to him. Like that that hundred percent has to be taken away from him. But he you know he comes out he earns his first career shutout. Um, and I he, I don't know I I I say screw Jesse's rule. Fall in love with Jack Campbell right now because <laughs> you deal with a heartbreak later because he's he's doing everything that everybody expect expects your backup goalie to do, um, and and when you're when your number one's out, the team has to step up. Yeah, and you know and there I don't feel the team has. No, they haven't, and there's also moments where, for example, the one goal goes off of Dowdy's skate, right? Dowdy's lying in the crease trying to help out and it goes off his foot and you just sort of go like, okay, well, I don't know whose fault that is, right? I'm not going to blame Dowdy for trying to help. I'm not going to blame Campbell for <laughs> not covering Dowdy's skate. Um, <laughs> but that's, again, one of the reasons that you, on the other side of the ice, you just, you shoot the puck, right? Like, because that's one of those things where maybe that wasn't a great shooting opportunity for the Leafs, but it winds up in a goal. Um, to the point about game breakers, uh, last season... Kopitar and Dowdy both had a 52% or higher Corsi rating. Um, for mm-hmm. those who still don't know, Corsi is basically just shots against versus shots for, or shot attempts, I should say. And generally speaking, you want to be above 50%, and the better players in the league are consistently up around 54, 55, you know, in that neighborhood. Um, if you have anything higher than that, then you're dealing with some really elite play. In the past, Dowdy and Kopitar, under the much maligned for some reason, Daryl Sutter system, Dowdy and Kopitar, you could be relied on to be tops in the league in Corsi, right? They were low, low, you know, defensive numbers and high, high offensive numbers. And that means the puck was always in their zone and almost never in their zone. And when it was in their zone, almost no shots getting taken. Um, Currently, if I have this right, and again, I apologize if the numbers are slightly off, but at least within the last 24 hours, Kopitar was at 46% and Dowdy was at 49%. When your two best 
defensive players. When you're Norris level defenseman and your Selkie level center are both under 50%. That means you're giving up way too, you're either giving up way too many goals or you're not taking enough shots or both. Um, and as previously discussed, we know that they're not shooting a lot. <laughs> um, right. And and again, I don't. The reason I keep har- you know harping on these numbers is because it's it seems pretty clear to me that it's a top to bottom issue. You know, Kempe is pretty much Kempe Lewis and Ayafalo are pretty much the only ones who are who are consistently generating the kind of puck possession and the kind of um, the kind of results that you expect from them. Right, like Trevor Lewis isn't producing a ton of offense, but he's doing what Trevor Lewis does, which is you know being a shutdown forward. Um, it's top to bottom it's start to finish you know I've seen a lot of people want to blame it on the coaching I don't know I'm not a professional athlete I've never been a professional athlete I've never been a professional coach I don't know where the gap is between the coaching staff trying to get a team to do something and the team not doing it or the coaching staff telling the team to do the wrong thing and the team doing it, like I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to identify um, the difference. Tonight didn't feel like coaching; it felt more like play. Like it was just being behind the puck most of the game. Well, for example, that Kopitar shooting opportunity that he that he passed up, right? Like that's not a coaching thing. You know, he he right. gained he gained the zone. He had possession. He had a shoot. He had a scoring opportunity. Passed it up. You know, and Kopitar is one of the better shooters in the league. So I don't know why you do that. Um, at one point, Forbert had uh, the puck and for some reason was leading the rush. He gains the zone. He gets to the face-off dot and he decides he's going to try a drop pass, but he does a behind the, behind the back, no look drop pass to no Kopitar. <laughs> and it's a, and it's a breakaway. And I don't remember if it resulted in a goal or not, but I feel like it did. It did. Yeah. It so, did. so, <laughs> yeah. So that's not a coaching thing, right? Like that's, that's a screw up. Um, that is an on the ice, uh, unfathomably curious set of events that makes no sense to me. Um, But the flip side of it is, you know, they aren't shooting a ton and, you know, the lineup is construct, you know, the coaching staff is in charge of who plays on what line and and how you deploy them and in what situation. Um, You know, and at some level, for example, calming Dowdy down, you know, if if you're going into this game and you get a sense that Dowdy's about to go berserk, you know, somebody's got to calm him down (laughs) and, you know, they give up the first goal early. Um, They go on and have a good period, but they go ahead and, and give up a goal late. And so, okay, they come out in the second period. They're a little bit better. They dominate play early. And so that's a thumbs up to the coaching staff, but then they score their goal and then almost instantly uh, give up a third. So that's a thumbs down. So, I mean, it's like I said, I've never been in a locker room. I'm not going to pretend to know what the answer is. Um, but like I, but it but it's clear that it's not as simple as like oh well Dustin Brown's hurt Jonathan Quick's hurt so that's why not at all not at all you know and and some of the best lessons are are some of your worst days so um, yeah that's true we got some great lessons out of this road trip <laughs> uh, and that, hopefully that's a silver uh, lining <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is just like an extension of our preseason and since preseason doesn't matter we can just kind of put it behind us and. And uh, the Kings can uh, look forward. So let's focus on some bright sides. Because given all of these negatives, I think you're right. You're, you're, 
you know, why do we fall to get back up again? So says Thomas Wayne. Um, one of the reasons I'm not just completely tearing my my hair out over this stretch is, first of all, it's early, right? I mean, that's always got to be said before you reach yeah. the 15 game mark. Um, the division is close. There's nobody really tearing, you know, tearing away from the pack. I don't trust Anaheim's success. They're getting outplayed worse than the Kings are, um, you know. And and Gibson may wind up winning the uh, the Vezina, but they have the absolute. I mean, they're giving up the most scoring opportunities in the league by far. So I don't believe they're four one and one start. Um, Vancouver, I don't, <laughs> I don't believe in them either. <laughs> um, you know, and Edmonton is Edmontoning. Um, so it's early, and then, like I said, because the problems are all mental, uh, that's the sort of thing that actually can turn around in a second, right? Like if if your best player breaks his leg, well, you're humped, right? Like that's it, <laughs> he's out, right, right, and, right, and you can't you can't fix that in a, in a in two games. But if your passes aren't connecting and you're not shooting the puck and you're running around like a chicken with his head cut off and everything's going crazy, well, that's the sort of thing that actually can, you know, the team goes on a bowling trip, you know, they sacrifice a chicken somewhere and, right, they get their mojo back, you know, or or one crazy goal, right? Like if they score one dumb power play goal or one really pretty power play goal, that could be it, right? That could be the sort of turning point that makes them all stop gripping the stick so tight and stop worrying about it. Now, I'm not relying on it to happen. I'm not saying it absolutely will happen, but this is why I'm I'm low grade upset instead of just completely, you know, throwing my laptop out a window every time I watch a Kings game. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things that we would always talk about during the Sutter years was the notion that sometimes your play improves before the wins show up in the standings. You right. know, sometimes you go on a streak where you play a bunch of games that you should have won, but you don't. And that comes before a, a winning streak. Um, and the Kings did outshoot Ottawa. They did outshoot Toronto. I thought they played well for long stretches. You started to see some chemistry and some lines that we didn't expect. Carter, uh, Amadio, and Anderson Dolan, I think it was, um, have been have been decent. I like Kempe with Pearson and Toffoli. That line needs to score a little bit more, but, I mean, they all need to score a little bit more. Um so, I mean, I am low-grade optimistic that that's what's happening. And, you know, we spoke about this last week. The schedule coming home, they have some teams that are not terrific in the Islanders and Buffalo. Now, we've seen some bad teams or teams that, that everybody anticipated would be bad. Um, we've seen them do well early this season, and obviously Buffalo has good players and the Islanders have good players. But it's not like they're coming home and they have to face off against Nashville or, you know, or Washington or someone like that. Right. So, I mean, that's, I don't know, that's my, <laughs> that's my, that's, that's my sort of weak attempt at positivity. Um, I hate to say like, well, it can't get any worse, but that's sort of. Yeah, careful what you wish for. Well, I know, but that's sort of the summary of my argument. <laughs> Is it like, you know, they you they... got my bright sides, and uh, and I'll tell you what, uh, kind of going back to my my whole point about uh, your your general rule about backup goalies. I think that kind of leads into my king of the week. Okay, you want to do king of the week now? 
Yeah, because I don't have much more for Brightside. All right, um, well, let's do King of the Week. Because <laughs> that after those two games, you follow up with Dallas, and they're putting goals uh, in the back of the net, and that gets scary. So uh, my King of the Week, none other than Jack Campbell. I got a bobblehead sitting here looking at me, uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm looking at what he's done um, over this stretch, and, and he's been the probably the biggest bright side I've seen from the whole road trip. Um, congrats to, for his first career shutout. And I think uh, he is the light that the team can follow out of the darkness. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I put a poll on Twitter uh, asking who the king of the week was. I obviously listed Jack Campbell with his first career shutout. Um, Anderson Dolan got his first assist. I think that. And has played pretty well. So I, I listed him. Jeff Carter had three points um, against Montreal. I mean, most of these... <laughs> Unfortunately, on a week like this, you sort of look to one game um, for your king of the week. Kovalchuk had his first goal as a king, uh, not against Montreal, obviously. But yeah, I don't think there's any way that you can't mention Jack Campbell. He played incredibly well against Winnipeg, unfortunately, in a loss. Shuts out Montreal. Uh, as we said, not his fault um, in the Toronto game uh, or the Ottawa game, really. Um, so the only other thing I would quickly mention is the uh the what i'm calling the uh the pipeline king of the week <laughs> so i want to do a nod okay. a real quick nod to some of the kings some future kings maybe um sheldon rempel for the ontario reign three goals two assists and a goal in the shootout kale clegg uh, had a goal and two assists matt Villalta down in uh, the ohl went two and one uh, with a 2.28 goals against he had one rough game but two really good games one four to one and uh, akil thomas if i'm not mistaken had two goals and five assists um, in two games for the Niagara Ice Dogs. So uh, good job, all of the prospects. But yeah, ultimately, there's only one pick this week. I think everybody has to agree. It's Jack Campbell. So congratulations, Jack Campbell. This week's King of the Week. All right, James, before we go, uh, this is our sort of general thoughts area. Anything, anything we didn't cover that you want to talk about? Not much. I did like, uh, as far as the broadcasts go, I did like getting a look into the war room in Toronto. Yeah, I had a chance to talk to Mike Murphy before, and it's a fascinating process, and it's a fascinating... Uh, the the way the league is sort of structured and employed is really interesting as far as who they rely on to make these decisions and come up with these rules. Um, speaking of rules, though, I had... I uh, had an opportunity to do color commentary during the second intermission of the rain game on Saturday night. Uh -huh. and, and I was in there with Cameron, who does the play-by-play -play for the Ontario Rain. He does a great job. And he proposed a rule change to me that I love. And so I want to pass it on, uh, James, and see what you think of it. I love these. Okay, go for it. If a team takes a penalty with less than two minutes in the period, when the next period starts, if the let's say the Kings are on the power play to start the second period, rather than mm -hmm. having the face-off at center ice, the face-off should be in the attacking zone, just like it is at the start of a, a, a power play. So they're still on the penalty coming into overtime. No, no, this is just right. This is just five on five regular or not five on five, but just regular period. You know, if, if a team takes a penalty at the end of the first period. Okay. Then starting in the second period. So, for example, the Kings are on the power play. It's the start of the second period. They've got 45 seconds left on the power play. Rather than take the faceoff at center ice, they're on the power play. The faceoff should be in the attacking zone. 
I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I, I love it. I think it's a brilliant idea. We've been idea. taking a lot of penalties in, in, within two minutes of the last period. So, I mean, obviously, no, it's I, not great for the team that takes the penalty. But but it, but if the league is interested in increasing offense, and if the league wants a way to make the game more interesting without doing stuff like changing the size of the nets or you know altering the ice size or blah, 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 I think this is a genius way. I don't think it hurts because you're you're not you're not penalizing them in the effect of like uh, like if it were icing and they can't change their players they're coming back from intermission so you know you have fresh guys anyway I yeah I say why not it doesn't there you, hurt there you go and then of course I threw my suggestion on top and you may or may not disagree with this I say if a team takes a penalty within the last well maybe not two minutes but within the last ninety seconds of overtime. No, nah, you know what? Last two minutes. Forget it. If a team takes a penalty in the last two minutes of overtime, I say they only get two shooters in the shootout. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> now, that one's rough. That one's rough. I, don't I take don't a penalty. A of, yeah, <laughs> I agree. But some of those are just, they're, they're uh, you know, you're looking at, at a lot of hockey played at that time, and, and, and some of those are just exhaustion uh, rather than just... Uh, uh, don't don't be exhausted. And <laughs> <laughs> well, I saying, like the first one. I don't know if I buy into the second one. Yeah, I always get some pushback on that one, but uh but then of course there's my one of my oldest friends suggestion which is that if you take a penalty late in a period and the the penalty overlaps the intermission, you should have to sit in the penalty box throughout the whole intermission. You shouldn't be allowed to go to the just, locker room. Just shame. You just have to stay. <laughs> Put them in there. shackles. Well, no, you sit there until your penalty's over. And if your penalty's not over until the next period, well, it's too bad for you. Again, don't Sitting take a penalty. In a pit of misery. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, James, um, pit of misery. I wish I could name this episode that. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank you as always for joining me. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for having me. For James Whitlock, I'm Jesse Cohen. Thanks for listening, Kings fans. We'll talk to you soon.